0: What you might call a champagne problem. My name is Matthew Kroll, and what in the fresh turkey hell are we dealing with here? My name is Shahir Dow, and this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw.
1: The F F P H S the fappers,
0: fappers, fappers, fappers. Well, allow us to reintroduce ourselves. My name is Hobbs
1: and Shaw. A- Am I Hobbs or the? Sh- hey, look, oh, no, let's yeah. get this out
0: of the way first. Okay. All
1: right. Uh, what is the distinguishing features between Hobbs and Shaw? Uh, well, wait. Uh,
0: Shaw is off the grid. Deckard right? Shaw is off the grid and uh rogue MI6 agent. Yeah. Played by Jason Statham and Lucas Hobbs. Or Luke Hobbs, I, they call them both sort of yeah. each time. Uh, th- is is the a uh, cop who always gets his guy, okay? And is also the rock, so he's built <laughs> like. I a mean, tank. I think I think that's me. I think that's is, as far as this room goes. I mean, you're you're a taller person. Than yeah, me. I'm a
1: bigger person. I'm 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 uh, from the islands. You know, I'm okay. born in Fiji. I mean, born are, I mean it's close. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty close. Okay, so yeah. I'll be.
0: And uh, to be honest, I I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I guess I guess I'll say I identify more with Shaw than Hobbs. However, I also do like Shaw more than Hobbs. But I Ooh. think I'm, I think I'm more of a Jason Statham uh, fella than a than yeah. a Dwayne the Rock Johnson fella. Though I do love the Rock.
1: Okay, okay. Well, and then this uh, what we have to do now is also have our contract stipulate that. We 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 can't insult each other more than the other
0: person. Right. It needs to be very specific. Okay. So let's. A- have you heard about this? Yeah. Talk yes. about it real quick for the people that haven't.
1: Okay. So the, uh, I think it was the Wall Street Journal published an article about their, the contractual, the peculiarities of the contract between um, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Jason Statham, Vin Diesel, uh, basically any of the major power players on the, on these, this franchise. All
0: the dude bros. All the dude
1: bros about how much they can and can't be hurt within uh, one of these films. And so the quote is, According to the producers and crew members on the films, Mr. Statham, 51 years old, negotiated an agreement with the studio that limits how badly he can be beaten up on screen. Mr. Diesel has his younger sister, producer on the film, police the number of punches he takes. And Mr. Johnson, 47, enlists producers, editors, and fight coordinators to help make sure he always gives as good as he gets.
0: So uh, that's hilarious. <laughs> and also um, it, it it's actually, I think, poignant because really? we i mean okay let's go back to a couple weeks ago when we reviewed once upon a time in hollywood there's okay. a moment in that film uh, where um th- Leonardo DiCaprio's character is talking to I forget what a producer or a friend or something Kurt Russell. Yeah. yeah yeah and it's it's to the point where he keeps taking villain roles and like he keeps sort of taking the roles that gets beat oh, oh when he's talking to uh, uh Al Pacino yeah. yeah and eventually it, they were talking about how like if you keep doing that enough and I do think this is true the audience being the the world or the viewing population of it anyway uh will start to See you as a loser. Oh, as the villain. As yeah. a, as a villain, but yeah. also someone who can get beat up, as someone who can be defeated. And if your whole thing is like The Rock doesn't want to come off as someone who can be defeated. Even right. I know it's like a weird and like metatextual, and we all understand, well, hopefully we do, that these are characters in a film mm. and the actors are playing them. But when it comes to these giant dumb (laughs) fun just testosterone nightmare films uh i think you do need like that that is a that is an insurance policy on your career to be able to do these things at least as long as time will permit (laughs) yeah
1: i I mean i i don't disagree with that there's a there's obviously a textual thing in terms of like how star power (laughs) is leveraged in these films um i think it's just funny though because uh essentially none of that is in service of the story Right. No, like, <laughs> but this movie isn't in the service of the story. <laughs> well, we can get into that in a minute. But coming back to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, we got a couple of emails this week. A lot of people talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, and I thought we'd just go through it. Now, I'm going to try to do this without any spoilers, but there are going to be minor uh, plot points for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that you would have heard of at this point. I think no No spoilers, though. Sure. But we got an email in from Maya, who say, uh, who's writing us in about Once Upon a Time. Was the film unnecessarily unnecessarily long? Absolutely. <laughs> it felt sometimes unraveling it in its pace by the end. And there's a sort of controversial element of sudden violence enacted upon women, which is something we've talked about, uh, not just for this film, but also The Hateful Eight, uh, which the audience was sho- uh, shocked by, but uh, I almost reveled in the Tarantino-esque quality of it all. I will say that if Tarantino from now on trades the N-word for feet shots, I will gladly agree to this, because <laughs> while the feet shots were a bit much, not hearing the N-word felt even better. Um, uh, Anyway, I wanted to email you because I'm sort of overwhelmed by the Twitter discourse around this film. How do you turn the noise off? I love criticism, I love memes and fun asides on movies, I listen to your podcast for this reason, but I feel especially when the big movies come out, the Twitter discourse gets a little out of hand. Nobody is making anyone see this film, nobody makes anyone want to see any film. Why see a film if you don't want to see it? I don't see films I don't truly want to see. How do you turn off the noise
0: in the Twitter sphere? Well, uh, first and foremost, uh, I want to go back to the feet question or the feet yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Everyone was talking about, again, on the Twitter discourse, so I will get back to that, Yeah, all of the feet shots. Right. I didn't notice a single one when I watched the movie. I, I, went, I, I was reading all about it. I was like, were there tons of feet shots? Yeah. I know I know Quentin Tarantino, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, historically has a thing for feet, which whatever, to each yeah. your own. Yeah. But like... I didn't notice. I I, I was like, maybe the girls at the camp when they were sitting on the bench, like Uh, when he was walking by. There was a noticeable... Foot shot when, uh,
1: for example, Sharon Tate goes to the movie, she puts her feet up on the uh, on the uh, seat in front of her. Oh, and I didn't even I don't remember that. And then know. there was a foot, there was a feet shot. Of, it, no, th- these are only noticeable because we know there's a thing about Quentin Tarantino and his foot. Finish. Okay, and well, you so, know, and and again, you know, if you look at back to Kill Bill, there's you know feet shots and that death proof. There's feet sure. shots and you know it's just a
0: thing. It's a thing he does. Okay, yeah. so so but, but with that, it's in like mind, Michael Bay and midriffs. It's one of those butts. things, <laughs> Michael Bay and butts. Yeah. Um. Or the Fast and the Furious, the first 15 minutes of a Fast and Furious mm-hmm. film, and but Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, uh, and so that's sort of an example of the Twitter discourse that, like, that's what everyone was talking about. Mm. And I was like, I didn't, uh, what? <laughs> there's there's a overwhelming um, sense, and I think in uh, film critique on the internet, I would say, um, that uh, I think the reason why it's so prevalent Mhm. Is because when you tweet something about a movie Even if it's a minor thing yeah. You have a short amount of time, so you can't make a huge long dissertation unless you do like a real long rant, which most people won't read. Yeah. You have to come up with some sort of hot take um, and try to make it funny as quick as possible. And then when you do that, inevitably it's designed to be, I'll, I'll use the term controversial in the sense that in this feet, for instance, people might say like, oh, I didn't mind the feet or like way too much feet. And then people just start arguing about feet. And then you have a a climate where one person started a discussion that Everyone can kind of jump in on, yeah, and that's I think why it gets so cloudy is like one person has a thing they saw, and due to the fact that all the other people saw the same thing and might have a different opinion, then just the noise echoes. It's an echo chamber of nightmare. I think the
1: interesting thing here is that oftentimes it, it might happen in the case where people actually haven't even seen the film and they're just responding to the actual Twitter discourse. Yep. Uh, I think it's Ron Johnson has uh, a book called the. Uh, uh, so you've been. Shamed on the internet about twitter about uh internet pylons as Mm -hmm. he calls it uh and it's really interesting i i think you know i I responded to meyer on this uh on this question and um you know my point here is is just to kind of you know take a keep a healthy distance from from whatever it you're reading you know you're welcome to enjoy whatever it is you're reading on the internet uh, but keep a healthy distance of skepticism i i think for me uh the one thing that i think we talk about a lot on this podcast is mm, It's something I I guess maybe I've sort of figured out how to how to express this, but it's this idea that. Films are entirely made speculatively. Mm-hmm. You know, like you don't know whether the film is going to be good when you're making it. You're hoping it's going to be good. You yeah. have an idea for the film being good, but it's made entirely. You know, like on the speculation that it will be good. You know, you you're exercising an idea, and film criticism or the response to film is done entirely retrospectively. So you're looking back at a film as though the decisions were kind of made. Uh, you know, it, it, that that was the only decision to be made. And I and it, I your think,
0: Monday morning quarterback. Yeah, and I think
1: I think all you have to do there is recognize that you have to have a healthy degree of respect for the fact that someone put this in front of you with this, you know, with put all their anxiety, fear, speculation onto the table in front of you. And no matter what you think of it, whether you like it or dislike it, just have a healthy degree of respect that someone put this in front of you and may, you know, and, and does it without knowing entirely, you know, like that if it's going to be good or not, or if it's going to work, you know, it's, it's always up
0: in the air. And going back to some, some reviews, I was just checking out about Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, We're not going to take that approach with uh, this. <laughs> no, well, no, I mean, there's, there's, there's an interesting caveat to the thing you just said. Mm. And. Like, for instance, if it's an independent film that, like, a small group worked on and, like, whatever, then, like, you know, I feel... and Say it didn't hit with me or whatever. Like, yeah. I'm not going to attack the film or whatever. Then there's these giant sort of just what I would consider, maybe at one point a year or two before it was released when it was just a glint in a writer's eye, (laughs) they were making it crafting it with love and whatever. But then it went through the wood chipper that Hollywood can be and comes out the other side as a death by committee sort of thing. And that happens. Yeah. Um, Then, then I, I don't want to ever sort of like really rally or insult it unless it's like something that is actually really insulting in content in like uh, content. But then you have Hobbs and Shaw (laughs) and Hobbs and Shaw well, we'll get into it. It's just—it's a weird hybrid of the two. I feel. I think the contract we just discussed probably exemplifies everything you're just talking exactly. about. Exactly. Uh, uh, but but oh oh, but the, to get through to the end of Maya's thing, how do you? Uh, you said mm-hmm. uh, have a you know comfortable you know basically relationship with how you ingest these things. I think that's very important. Also, I found and, and this might be a little bit bubbling, mm-hmm. but again, a lot of my Twitter is sort of media based as far as like films and and, and games and stuff like that. Um, I do not try to limit. my... My sort of, um, I guess, political uh, opinion stuff on Twitter, like what I read. Right. Okay. But I, I have started to cultivate uh, people in, in sort of film Twitter or or, or film and games sort of stuff that I respect their opinions consistently. Like right. I, I've gotten rid of the people that are just like getting me angry and make me want to respond. Oh, if that is that makes why sense. you're not
1: following me on Twitter anymore? <laughs> I don't listen. I don't want
0: to talk about it, but the, uh, <laughs> but like it is incredibly helpful. There's some things that we shouldn't ignore when it comes to sort of like actual stuff that affects like true real life much more quickly than say uh, a film review might. Right. Um. Not to say the film can't affect real life. It's just it's a slower sort of cultural process. Um. I found that my days are happier mm-hmm. uh, because because normally. Case in point, uh, Movie Bob. Yeah. Love Movie Bob. I read his tweets. I I watch his shows, etc. You should all do it. Um, I've disagreed with him uh, recently on a couple films, but right. I also respect his process and the respect for what he's doing, where I'm like, this is the kind of discourse I would like to have instead of like, uh, someone rambling, just being like, "This movie's fucking shit," and you're like, "Cool, yeah." Enjoy your 200k views, my friend. <laughs> um, so that's sort of where I sit. My, I hope that's uh, somewhat helpful. I know we're
1: gonna get off into side channels. The only thing I would say there <laughs> is that I like to keep
0: uh, uh, a
1: sit of people on Twitter uh, that I follow whose opinions I know I always disagree with, and who's who, <laughs> and just just so I can see what the other side is thinking. I do that with
0: politics. I don't do that with movies. I'm too stressed out about the world in general to deal with that across the things I'm supposed to be doing for entertainment. Gotcha. (laughs) All right. One more email about Once Upon a
1: Time in Hollywood from Will, uh, who I believe is from Australia. We Ah. saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood over here with a packed audience. Pretty sure nobody in the crowd knew anything about the Manson and Tate murders Including me. I have been avoiding any news about the film and that coupled with my sad lack of murder cult knowledge led to an um, why is he at this ranch question. Still managed to love the movie though. I'm guessing uh, that knowing about the Manson family made the violence... Uh, towards the end, uh, slightly less questionable, maybe? Um, so, yeah, this is, an interesting, <laughs> no. this is an interesting thing, which is that we're realizing um, that not a lot of people know about the the Manson family murders. Well,
0: internationally.
1: Yeah, I mean, even even nationally, people, there, there are emails floating around of people who, you know, if you're born... You know, like in the '80s or '90s. Why would you know anything about the Manson family?
0: I guess Manson, you start associating with Marilyn Manson because yeah. that'd be the only thing that's why, still current. Why, I mean, why
1: would you know anything about Charles
0: him? Manson? Died in prison. What? Um, not long ago. Not long ago. But he
1: hasn't like been a you know like a figure of note uh, for whatever that's worth for many many uh, years. And you know, again, it's a it happened in 1969, I believe it was. And you know, like, sure. essentially a small number of people got this. This happened in uh, in our review. for for Halloween, the the updated Halloween, where one of the characters said, "Well, you know, uh, Mike Myers only killed like three people, you know, back back in a day, and the, you know, like n- now we're dealing with people dying on a large scale all yeah. the time, kind of thing. Why would you know anything about the Manson family?"
0: It's it's actually really sad. One <laughs> of the uh, we did an extra history on YouTube on the Boston Massacre, and a lot of the comments were, "Well, it was only thirteen people. That's not a massacre, right?" And right. you're like, "What?" Yeah.
1: I mean, but I I just, I I take complete uh, empathy with that position of people walking in and not knowing. And and it, it begs the question, uh, about this film, is there too much emphasis placed on like the cultural knowledge of the Manson family to in order to like in order for it to work? Because if you don't know any of that stuff, yeah, there's a lot of question marks about like why are any of these characters doing any of these things? I, and why are we following this one character who has absolutely nothing to do with the plot?
0: I would go even beyond further. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, it just if you don't really know about the Manson murders, it does break the plot. But mm-hmm. if you also only know tertiary, not like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, the Manson f- uh, was a cult uh, family was a cult that killed some mm-hmm. people in Hollywood. Mm. like you might not know it was Sharon Tate you might not know how that actually did sort of end the golden age of cinema like Mm. like there's a lot like you do there's a lot of prerequisite knowledge you need to actually get the point that Quentin Tarantino is trying to make (laughs) luckily he also basically made like 19 mini music videos that look really cool with Brad Pitt driving around 1969 LA so it does uh you know carry you yeah but you might walk out with even more of a sense like I did which was sort of like what does is there a point to this <laughs> and then you actually have to think about it and do a little research which is fun yeah uh again like I go to I go to a Quentin Tarantino movie thinking I might have to do that and that's great and I enjoyed the process I go to a film like Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw (laughs) just knowing everything will just be right there up on the
1: screen served on you on a a, on a meaty silver platter Uh, we have got (laughs) another uh, voicemail but I'm not going to play this voicemail a voicemail from uh, Liam of the UFO Busters podcast about this movie but it's very spoilerific so we will save that for another time uh, possibly at the end of an episode thank you for sending that in Liam Um, finally one Last tweet from our friend Baby Dread, who has gone through and listened to nearly every episode at this point. Or is listening, Baby Dread. To Baby Dread, we appreciate that, but I don't appreciate this tweet. What? Which is R E Drive from Nicholas Winding Riffin I think this might be the first time I completely agree with Matt.
0: Hell yeah! <laughs> 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 what do you get when you deconstruct an '80s action movie?
1: Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Well said. Uh, I, I'll just I'll, I'll take solace in the uh, in the in the preposition there, which is this is the first time.
0: That's right. I'll take. You get to it. The, go back. But, but you know what? This is the one that matters to me. This is the one that matters. And to I you. will say, I I shit on Drive a lot, and I will continue to shit on Drive. <laughs> Amazing cinematography. Soundtrack is top notch. That right. that is what I will say about that. But that film is a. Uh, oh.
1: <laughs> All right. So what in the fresh turkey hell are we doing? (laughs) With here, I uh, as we, I don't know if uh, again maybe contextual knowledge that people don't know. uh, I have not seen. No, I've seen one Fast and the Furious movie, and it was Uh, for the show. It was was you started.
0: You yeah, started I started with the Charlize Theron. I feel episode.
1: like I've seen, I might have seen the first one when it came out, but I, I, you know, I never really paid much attention to it. Yeah. Um. I watched the, uh, I watched half of uh, the second one uh, this week in preparation for this episode.
0: You watched Fast and Furious Two? Yeah, Two Fast Two Furious. That's literally going to not help you at
1: all. I know. <laughs> I, 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 started watching and I was like, this is not going to help me in any context. I was like, I realized I should have started at Fast
0: Five, five four, or Six four or. I think Rock comes in on uh, on. Five. Okay. I think. All right. I think. <laughs> and then right Jason th- Statham becomes a villain in six yeah. and then a bit of a hero in seven and eight. Write us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on
1: Twitter at onlymoviepod with your full uh, annotated history of the
0: Fast and the Furious franchise. I do know it goes one, two, four, five, six, three, seven, eight. <laughs> Hobbs and Shaw this is Justice for Han that you're describing yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. basically
1: you're, you're trying to re-anchor the whole thing well around.
0: they do I'm not doing it they do it
1: okay They've they've said that's the official timeline the timeline also doesn't make any sense is that right
0: not, I mean, not a lot of stuff makes sense in this universe no, to me. No, but the universe itself is set up to not make sense. So therefore, does it all make sense? <laughs> so this is a spin-off, spinoff. Uh, obviously,
1: with uh, with the Rock and Jason Statham's character, we're not seeing a lot of our few franchise favorites, including um, Mr. Vin Diesel, who's no longer uh, isn't isn't in the, isn't in this film. But there's what started as like. Uh, is a, he your
0: favorite? I'm sorry to interrupt. Is Vin Diesel my favorite? You just said our favorites, and then you listed Vin oh, Diesel well, and no one else. He, who
1: is the uh, and? Uh, well,
0: Paul uh Paul R I P uh Ludacris. Uh, um Tyrese. Tyrese. Um well, Michelle Rodriguez. Michelle Rodriguez. Uh,
1: isn't um, isn't Wonder Woman in this as well? Oh, Gil Gadot, yeah. yeah she, she's in this as well. Yep. Uh, uh, there's another character. And Charlie's there. I don't know. I like. I don't know. I really, I do not know.
0: Um, I would argue that my favorites are in this film. <laughs> oh, really?
1: Oh, so this, this is a distillation of all the things you like of the Fast and the Furious franchise the, into one single
0: entity. Actually, 100%. Because... Like I'm not a big car guy, right? <laughs> <laughs> and these films have morphed from like street racing, crime, like in in a in a in a city, into world saving operations where they race supercars across ice uh, in in Siberia, and yep. a uh, uh, submarine breaks through and chases them, and the rock literally throws a torpedo at it. Uh,
1: he's also superhuman at some point, right? Like I mean, he's been shot by. Bo- I've se- I remember in the in the Fate and the Furious, he gets shot. I, I'm guessing they're rubber bullets, but he just kind of keeps walking
0: yeah. like like it was... He you know, also things. like heals up his arm after it's broken and cracks out of his cast. Right.
1: Okay. Uh, so, yeah. Well, tell us what Hobbs and Shaw is about.
0: Oh, well, I'm not going to tell you. I think I should let uh, IMDB tell you. Okay. Lawman Luke Hobbs and outcast Deckard Shaw form an unlikely alliance when a cyber-genetically-enhanced villain threatens the future of humanity. Future of humanity? Oh, wait, I want to go back to... Cyber genetically enhanced. So, yeah, cyber.
1: Are they trying to say cybernetically? I
0: don't know. But it oh, says cyber dash the, genetically. Is that just too
1: close to the Terminator franchise?
0: I don't. I mean, he uh, uh, Idris Alba in this film is hilariously wonderful.
1: <laughs> it's, it's weird that, that the fact that there is a cyborg human in this movie is kind of like an entirely, it's almost
0: not secondary, but almost tertiary plot point. So <laughs> I, for whatever reason, I go back, when, when I heard the plot of this movie, and, and by the way, the trailers, if you haven't watched them, uh, you, could, you just know the whole movie. Um, but the, <laughs> there's, a, there's a film franchise from the 80s, Shahir, mm. and I think there's five or six of them. I only watched the first three. Uh, is it uh, okay? I'm I'm putting I'm putting the name that I think you're talking about in my head.
1: Okay. Uh, or should I write it down on a piece of paper? Uh, write it down a like piece of paper I'm real quick. But I bet a... you
0: it's wrong <laughs> because it's just not. Uh, you're. N- it's not going to be something that I think you are familiar with. Um. Mm, uh, but let's... here we go. Whoa, 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 oh. Okay. I, well. I want. I have to just kill time for the audience while you write down. Yeah. Okay. Go. Okay. Uh. It's the American Ninja series. Oh God. No. Yeah. What did oh, you, you write? Universal Soldier. <laughs> oh. Also true. Yeah. Um. But the American Ninja series is a, is a. Just terrible B movies. It's like this. It's like this total uh, whitewashy white savior sort of thing, where like uh, this white military Mm. guy learns all the secrets of martial arts and and blah blah blah. But in the Michael Dudikoff, I actually have seen one or two of these. I think I've seen the first one. But in the second one, yeah, he he goes and he fights this ninja clan again. But they've they've cyber enhanced them to turn their muscles to steel. (laughs) Ooh, steel muscles! So when you punch (laughs) them, yeah, and and. For whatever reason, when we I started seeing like all these ads and seeing Idris Elba getting all zapped up with mm-hmm. cyber, I was like, "Oh, it's American Ninja."
1: It's American Ninja. The what is the sequel called? The sequel is called The Confrontation. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So anyway, sorry. Uh, deep cut for my horrible eighties film. Uh, we should uh, just love. do that movie. <laughs> American Ninja Two. Um. Yeah. No.
1: So again, I I uh, I have no contextual knowledge, which which is interesting because what it means is the uh, the. The ploy of low expectations comes into play here, which is that I have very low expectations when I go to see this movie. Uh, I, I wouldn't I, I doubt very much that I would pay to see this movie if it wasn't for this podcast. Um, but what that meant was the low expectations actually played in its favor.
0: Oh, me. yeah, they uh, often do.
1: Uh, which is that I didn't there there's I have an issue with this film. One that it's absolutely
0: ridiculous. <laughs> and, well, yeah, that yeah, but, that, but that's fine. That, that's I'm, more of a fact for me and not an issue.
1: Yeah, it's that's totally fine. This movie is completely ridiculous. Plot points that the set up in this movie make no sense and are immediately disp- uh, disproven w- with with nonsensical storyline. Um, what I, f- I I will say this I I found that what I what I enjoyed about this is the type of action that we were getting. From scene to scene was varied enough that I was never quite bored with the action. Which okay. I, which I, you know, like. You have which, action fatigue a lot. Yeah, which is the problem that I had with uh, John Wick, for example. Yeah. Uh, also directed by David Leach, uh, who directed this film? No. Uh, or have they split up now? It's David Leach and uh, uh, his partner. Did he, I'm pretty sure he directed John Wick 3, didn't he? And Atomic Blonde. He was a producer on John
0: Wick. Okay. Uh, he, yeah, he directed Atomic Blonde and Deadpool 2.
1: Okay. Yeah. So uh, I thought the action was varied enough, um, so that that uh, you know you kind of got a sense of everything that was happening was was interesting and new, and I and I enjoyed that. Um, I will say. The problem is the if if any movie wears out has a, has a problem with wearing out its welcome, it's this one. This is this movie is literally half an hour too long. Um, oh, see, if, I
0: disagree. Oh
1: wow, uh, this movie is half an hour too long, and and any goodwill I have by just going, yeah, you know, like I can see this being kind of entertaining and fun and sort of slapsticky kind of bro comedy across the across the planet. Uh, it all gets worn out by the fact that it's just, it is too long.
0: I agree the film has problems. I think we're going to have maybe t- multiple different problems than each other and then also one exact same problem. Okay. Um, but what I will say is this movie, uh, before we get into spoilers and we get into all those juicy, juicy problems, Yeah. Uh, this movie falls into the category for me of perfect place, perfect time. Okay. Uh, I, and Who are we talking about? You or? Me. For me. me. Yeah. Um, so listeners, I don't know if you've ever experienced this or Shahir you as well, but like when the fates sort of align and timing works out perfectly and then the like everything sort of works out and then you're just at the movies. Right. And by that, I mean, <laughs> I was in uh, Indianapolis for Gen Con for extra credits. We were doing a panel, yeah. uh, which was amazing. And if you were there or if you're whatever, I hope you had a great Gen Con and hope you enjoyed the panel. But... um the we were finishing up uh half of our team had already left and it was me and two of my team members uh just eating dinner at, at a restaurant and <laughs> we were i have the flight early in the morning and whatever And we we're just shooting the shit and having a good time and we, you know we were probably just going to call it an early night and then i remembered that we we're probably going to do the episode for the, this for the podcast and i was like oh i wonder if there's any movie theaters like in walking distance because i'd never been to indianapolis before which yeah. is also an awesome town yeah um, and <laughs> I go, I look and within 0.1 miles yeah. at a museum, yeah. there's an actual IMAX theater. Okay. Not only that. You sold this in IMAX? Yeah. Not oh. only that. The tickets
1: were like $15. Oh, that's, that's, that's some, pre- that's some, uh, that's a
0: premium discount. Yeah. You got, you got in good. You How could you not go? So you should so buy extra tickets. I go, I go, I'm like, guys, do you? do you want to go see Hobson and Shaw at the IMAX? And both of them are like, we've never seen any of these films before because it's definitely not their bag. Yeah and I was like I don't think it matters and they're like okay so we all go not only that so we walk there it's a short walk from the restaurant where we're at yeah. and this I, I wish I remembered the museum's name but it's the one with the IMAX theater in Indianapolis okay. um, it is the most beautifully landscaped thing like all around it there's like a man made river moat thing and like five different monuments to stuff and it was a part of the city that I'd never seen before we walk in the, the museum is obviously closed and empty but all the doors are open because people are still going to <laughs> this movie? movie yeah we go in whatever it's an actual IMAX theater I thought it was going to be like a IMAX for oh. the price no it's a real at, usually at museums, at, at museums it's real and I was like Hobbs and Shaw at the museum I was like okay <laughs> Hobbs and Shaw at the at, museum in, that's the sequel that should be yeah uh, so we get in and it's literally us and like one other couple <laughs> and the film just washed over us entirely like we were laughing we were having a good time I think that's why Maybe I would have thought it was too long had all of those stars not aligned. Yeah. Because holy shit, that was just the perfect movie-going experience. It was out of the blue. It was super easy. It was beautiful to look at and experience. And I was with people that knew it was as ridiculous as I knew it was and had different perspectives. And we came out laughing and we, like, walked around for, like, 45 minutes after just talking about the dumb shit we just saw. Okay. And it was just, like, I don't know. I but think, But you're you're talking about the experience more than you're talking about the movie. Well, we're going to get to the movie. And the movie has problems. There's no question. But that's why I said I think this movie hit me at perfect place, perfect time. So I, I just wanted to preface um my uh, – what might come off as undying love for this film has a lot of sort of, like – Perfect coincidence to get me into that mindset. So the
1: opposite experience for you would
0: be if you found if you realized you had to see it for the podcast.
1: You were on a flight the next morning at like four a.m. for some reason. It was eleven o'clock at night, and the movie theater was like twenty miles away, and you had to drive, and there was no parking, and the tickets were twenty five dollars, and it was packed with people who were on their cell phones, and you couldn't get, uh, and the the popcorn had a mouse in it.
0: Oh, the the last part (laughs) might have been
1: cute, but the uh, the rest of but yeah, yeah. So if that if that was the scenario, the exact same
0: movie would be like fuck this movie, right? I wouldn't be fuck this movie. I just wouldn't have enjoyed it as much. I think. It right. just would have been like, oh, is this over? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so
1: it's it, the context
0: is helping you in this. Scenario. I think the
1: context is I'm as, just, as this, it is helping me in yeah. terms of like you know low expectations. Yeah. Um. And All right. So so. Let, let's let's get into spoilers. That's for a thirty-minute preamble. I think we can talk about the film now. We can now. just talk specifically about spoilers. Obviously, as. Th- as this movie, as this franchise has gone a, kind of gone on, I think there's been a parallel line drawn between Mission Impossible and the Fast and the Furious franchise, yeah. right? Like, they're basically running on two similarly direction train tracks at this point. And this even features Vanessa Kirby from Mission Impossible Fallout. Or, um, you know, like, who has a much smaller role in Fallout, but kind of, you know, like, is in between uh, two male characters uh, as she was in in Fallout. Um the the interesting thing for me is that this movie kind of take in Mission Impossible two, uh, which was essentially kind of a remake of Alfred Hitchcock's Notorious. They added this MacGuffin of uh, of a disease. They called it the Chimera disease mm-hmm. in in there, and it was essentially the same plot point happens, which is that it gets injected into a person they have to extract it from the person. Sure. Um, and this movie takes that plot like essentially. If you're thinking about going from Notorious, which had uh, a MacGuffin of a different type in that film. Notorious? Uh, Alfred Hitchcock's film. Oh, notorious, yes, yes, yes. Which, So, Mission Impossible 2 is kind of... Sorry, a, I was know. like,
0: was there a Mission Impossible notorious? <laughs> that, that's Mission Impossible 2. Okay.
1: Yeah, is Mission Impossible notorious. Um, and, and it takes the MacGuffin, which is essentially, you know, from from, from anyone who's done film studies, MacGuffin is basically a, a central plot point which all the characters care about, but is essentially redundant to your experience as an audience.
0: It, it doesn't really matter what the thing is. There's actually, I just watched a beautiful thing on Nando V movies. um I don't know I if know, you're familiar with what, what that is. Uh, about how that actual definition of a MacGuffin, even based on Hitchcock, is wrong. Oh. Uh, I don't remember the ex- exact sort of words for it, but search for that on on the internet if you're interested. It was something because I'd always thought that exact. We've talked about that a million times. It was something I wanted to bring up, but it's it's uh, it, it was something and and it's something along the lines of the it's it's not a McGuffin if it still drives the plot. Because of the way that because that, that was a term that, <laughs> that uh Hitchcock coined. Um or used, yeah. Yeah. The yeah. Well, I'm sorry to not have that information at my fingertips. I wasn't prepared for that. But the but check that out because the definition of MacGuffin is actually super like Weirdly intricate and interesting, yeah. Uh, but I get what you're saying. It's a it's an object or a thing that will hopefully move the plot forward or make the characters want a th- want to do a thing.
1: I think there's been a couple of papers written interestingly about like the idea that the MacGuffin has a psychological importance uh, for the actual thematic resonance of the film. So mm-hmm. that's maybe what they're talking maybe. about. Um, but essentially, the way Hitchcock used to use it as a MacGuffin is is this object that all the characters want to get, um, but it really doesn't matter what the object actually is. Like it could be anything in pulp. Fiction. We don't even see what the what the object is that all these characters are trying to get, which is this. Essentially, is just a light in a briefcase. We, yeah. never, we never know what it is. Uh, in um, the Thirty Nine Steps, for example, Alfred Hitchcock film, they're trying to get this code for a nucle- for something. Nobody knows what it is. It doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Mission Impossible Two, the Chimera disease doesn't really matter. It's just this thing that everyone's trying to get. In this one, it doesn't really matter, but it kind of does because the mechanics around how this plot point is used are so ridiculous that it that it, it, it kind of gets into this thing where you're like, wait a minute, if everyone's talking, you know, the best way you can use a MacGuffin is to just introduce it and never really mention it again or never really mention the details of it but this film starts to get into real heavy details. I'm of this. starting
0: to remember things too like for instance some people call the sled like Rosebud yeah. a MacGuffin it's not because what the object actually is has incredible importance to the rest of the film it's just you find out what it is at the end.
1: Yeah that, that the, the, the sled and Rosebud is a slightly different but I know, But
0: then for instance in this and believe me I'm not comparing well I guess I am no uh, <laughs> 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 Citizen, Kid, versus and, Citizen Kane yeah gotcha. Um, perfect exactly but double feature movie night um, but the 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 virus in this film actually does have to do with the plot as they tell us the the goal of these secrets uh eugenic cyber cult right which has a name that i couldn't even pronounce after they said it nine eton, times Eaton. Eton, eton it, it's just mm. like
1: it's weird i just i i because it sounds like eton which is the the famous school in london where all the oh. elites and royals went that's that's the only way i remember gotcha. it and i thought it was kind of like the sort of elitist
0: thing. Right. Um the virus that they're doing is to actually help their entire goal along which is which again it's a super bland nonsense reasoning but it's to kill all the quote weak people <laughs> to help the other people be Here's stronger. a question for you.
1: Do you know is this this might be the sort of steel muscles analogy again. Sure. Who is strong enough to withstand a liquefaction of their body? Like, like, what what is the definition of strong or weak in that in that in that parameter? I
0: think how they were saying it, <laughs> at least how I read it. Maybe I just have like my own internal uh, script for all these yeah. dumb movies that I've seen for a million times. But the way I read it was. Like, the virus would kill people that were, say, prone to cancer or prone to uh, different genetic diseases to make sure that the people that survived would not – like, no one – because remember, they said when it was in her body, when it was in um, yeah. Vanessa Kirby's body, um, that it wasn't programmed. And therefore, if it died when it was in it, it would affect everyone. Right. So including the good guys, the bad guys, and oh, everybody. So they were going to take it and reprogram it. They were going to take it and reprogram
1: it. Okay, And they haven't heard of uh, antibacterial resistance at any point. I don't think this was a it's not bacteria, it's a <laughs> virus. I know, but they have never heard of antiviral resistance or antibacterial Well, there's no such thing as antiviral. Well, anti, but they're, they're, they're basically saying that <laughs> we're going to my- we're going to wipe off disease by taking away all, all the people who could be susceptible to these diseases not thinking about the theory of evolution or evolutionary theory, which is that Resist, you know, diseases that are resistance would pop
0: up. New diseases that are resistance would be popping. A hundred percent. But I think that they again they <laughs> the, are they,
1: they didn't pay attention at Eton, obviously. No, no.
0: Here's the deal. They actually did because they will. And, but they're a doomsday cult, right? Like that's what <laughs> <Right>. doomsday cults <laughs> so do. Right. Like they they think that they've got all the answers and they're gonna say they win. Yeah. Uh, something else is gonna happen. It's not just gonna be like, well, now we're all perfect. Right. It's the yeah. I mean, at least with Thanos, for example
1: his was just all chance right it was just like there was no like he left it up to the universe disease. in a certain sense uh, yeah yeah um, the the interesting thing then is okay so now this disease has been injected into Vanessa Kirby which is something you see in the very first few minutes of this film we realize that a, a character played by Idris Elba is out to get her for some reason she is now
0: framed for stealing the virus because so also the, the, the eugenic cyber cult mm-hmm. and I think that phrase is mm-hmm. wonderful yeah um, <laughs> it's just as a generic bad Guy, yeah, (laughs) eugenics cyber cult, yeah, and also Um, bad guy, yeah, uh, self proclaimed bad guy. Uh, the fact that she basically Idris Alba's on the way to steal it, and his name is Brixton, by the way, and uh, Vanessa Kirby's name is uh, Hattie, yeah. Um, and the she was an MI6 agent, she was tasked to get it, she couldn't get it out, and she knew she'd have to like get away with it quick, so she injects it with her into herself, and she gets away. Now, Brixton and the eugenics death cult, (laughs) um decide that uh, the only way they can get her is if they hack... Because they have like access to hacking everything, right? right? So they frame her. So they frame her so that then they can get her.
1: Right. So they have complete control of the media. Yep. Okay. Um, that seems like a pretty powerful thing. So you want complete
0: control of the media and the ability to kill people. I think they just... I think the <laughs> the virus itself was like, just get it done quicker. Because like, they could have <laughs> just done what they were doing if they spent like 20 years controlling the media.
1: Right, right. Uh, but instead... Yeah, and so now the CIA and MI6 decide we need to get this back. Yeah. They, they seem to know, or do they
0: believe that Vanessa Kirby's character is... Uh, is they they think she- at this point in the film that she has gone rogue and stolen the virus.
1: Okay, all right. So they, they're,
0: they're completely manipulatable. Oh, 100%. By the media that Ethan owns. Also, side note, I don't normally go... Mm-hmm. I, w- I was thinking about this a lot, but Vanessa Kirby, I think, is my number one... Sort of favorite action uh, woman currently action woman <laughs> in in Hollywood. Huh. Uh, I think this you know she didn't really do much of it in in Mission Impossible. She was mm-hmm. sort of just like the the queen pin in yeah. a, in a way. Holy shit! In this, I, I feel like the and sh- again we'll get into how the action is sort of cut and portrayed in a little bit. But I felt like her action scenes mm-hmm. were like legitimately some of the best. Okay. Um, when she fights the rock, when she fights anybody, because it seems like she or her stunt double, uh, can do a lot of the moves in one take. Okay. Uh, whereas that was an issue I had with some of the later action sequences with other people. Anyway, I just shout out to Vanessa Kirby because holy shit, she was doing work. Okay.
1: And then, so the CIA and the MI6 enlist both a rogue agent, which I don't know why you would do that, but maybe, uh, Jason Statham is just the best. At what he does, he's but a he's, champagne problem. But here, here's 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 a story point that I I, I thought was really interesting because I was like, okay, you could en- I understand why he, the CIA enlists The Rock, right? Like, um, it's he's the best at what he does. Always I, gets I, his man. I always gets his man. I have another issue with this that I'm going to come back to sure. at some point. I'll defend um, all of them. But um, but then but then they also enlist Jason Statham's character, um, to 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 do the same thing, but they. They seemingly don't realize or know that Vanessa Kirby and Jason Statham are siblings. And I was like, wouldn't it, it Wouldn't it be a better story point and more organic if basically Jatham Statham is called
0: to action not by the MI6, but just because his sister is in trouble. 100%. And he has t- the, thing, the issue is, and it's funny because the trailers ruined this instantly, right. is I was watching for this. They don't mention that she is related to Jason Statham until... The Rock like accuses or says yeah, something yeah, like, oh, "Are
1: you going to sleep with her?" Or something? Yeah, or yeah. yeah,
0: like, uh, th- like there's like that. Uh, it's supposed to be like a twist moment, but yeah. it's in every trailer right. that they're related. Yeah. So it's like the movie itself was holding on to that for like a oh interesting sort yeah. of moment, and the ad campaign was like, "Nope." Yeah, I, I just, I, I all I'm talking about is from a storytelling point of view, because then, because then his
1: character essentially organically comes in and also i guess i maybe this is that thing of like contractual obligations because now they're kind of pitted as equals in the film like they're both agents they're both coming in to try and deal with this thing but as a storytelling point of view it's like okay you can have the rock be the superhero agent and now he has to deal with this other guy who he despises who has to come into the story because his sibling is in trouble Right, like it just—it seems to make more sort of natural story. A hundred
0: percent. I think they wanted to save it. I think the reason they didn't do that, even though I think it would have been tighter, yeah. uh, is they wanted that moment for a surprise, which of course was never a surprise because of the way trailers are made.
1: Okay, yeah. So, so there, yeah, that's the issue there. I, it's fine. Um, the issue that I have though is that the this is this movie is made up of no less than three ticking time bombs. That okay. None of which make any sense. In Go the for film. it. Hit us. So the first one is is the fact that she has. Civic 22 hours three days uh, before this virus will will essentially be released within her body and turn turn her to soup but also everybody everybody's everybody's soup. Everybody soup so they enlist an agent from the United States who has to take an 11hour flight from the United States to London um, in order to, to start this versus taking mi6 agents who are in the region in order to do it so no, that's fine. that's fine
0: I mean and now I, the, I'll just sort of do this as you go I think that they probably do have agents going out after this wall, he's flying over, right? But like, he's their insurance policy. So,
1: so he's just the insurance policy. So, he's living hours there. Then they fly to the Ukraine, which I did. I did the math. It's a it's a three hour
0: flight. Okay, uh, I love that you did the, the math.
1: Yeah. So they live in hours to to from Los Angeles to London, three hours from L- London to Russia, and then uh, for some reason, at the end of this movie, Hobbs decides that they need to protect this virus by flying across the planet. In another, it's a twenty-hour flight from Russia to Samoa. So, of the th- of the seventy-two hours that they have, they have thirty. They've used thirty-six just by being on plane. Well, listen, listen, on
0: being on on populated
1: commercial but you know, airlines. You know why they have
0: to do that? What? because they're still now. Once Deckard Shaw and Lucas Hobbs get involved in this uh, cyber cyber eugenics cult. Uh, hacks the system and makes them rogue agents right and they can't go anywhere so they have to fly commercial <laughs> and they have to get off the grid so here. take
1: the virus and they, that's listen, gonna kill people here's the
0: deal they have the broken machine to get the thing out of her right <laughs> yeah. and only one person off the grid could possibly do that and it's of a course it's a mechanic of course it's the Rock's brother <laughs> yeah of course, because that makes sense. It's familiar. But that's, listen, listen,
1: <laughs> that's why they're taking all these flights. They have no choice. <laughs> so so 72 hours, uh, let's deduct 30 of them for, uh, for, for flight time, um, which means they're basically doing, uh, they've got a, this whole movie takes place essentially in a day and a half.
0: Uh, during the daytime scenes, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. A day and a half is the whole. Like every fight sequence that yeah, happens is a day. A lot. And a, day and a half. They're not sleeping in this in this period, obviously, uh, of course, as well. Um, then there is a second ticking time bomb when they get to kind of you know quasi Chernobyl, uh, where they set a forty five minute ticking uh, a ticking clock. A literal time bomb. A literal time bomb that's going to explode the whole thing. But at some point they get knocked out in the middle of it. We're not, and we have no idea how long that knockout was. But when they get knocked out two trucks are brought in and they're tied up and and then the and then they they're strapped to this thing i was like where is the timer kind of going and the timer it, there's never a point at which the there's a thing in this film which is that they set up timers but they only in one scene do they kind of like refer back to that timer and that's the final sequence where they kind of literally have a 30 minute timer b- before this virus has to be extracted from the body otherwise they kind of set up a timer and then just play out the scene as is and then at the end the timer comes back and does what it's supposed to do there's even another scene in this film where um, Jason Statham goes to Vanessa Kirby's apartment and it, and uh, uh, and the whole setup of the scene is that there is a, a, a grenade at yeah. the top of the at the top of the film uh, at the top of the scene and and for some reason they just sort of forget about that grenade and then at the at the very end of the scene someone throws the grenade
0: and then he just kind of clicks it back at the Well place. he steps he steps over it then he when steps, they come in it clicks out
1: yeah but it was like oh wouldn't the interesting tension of the scene be if he knew that there's a grenade
0: there he did know there was a grenade there
1: and he was trying to make sure that nobody stepped on the grenade
0: instead he just had they just have a fight scene right like well cuz he didn't expect people to come in after him he was doing his whatever you know MI6X reconnaissance or whatever so he stepped over all the booby traps and then when people came to kill her and found him they hit all the booby traps and he had to dispatch them before the grenade went off
1: right but he's not the the the, the scene just plays out as a fight scene we never refer back to the grenade or anything they click it there's a very quick it's fight a, at scene at the
0: very end of and then scene, he puts the pin back.
1: At in. the very end of the scene, yeah. suddenly the grenade comes into play.
0: I think there's <laughs> a lot of things that are wrong with this film. I think the three things you listed in the context that this film presents itself in are not issues.
1: <laughs> really? So no, because the whole thing I was in there going was like, wait, you got 72 hours to do this but thing. But they but it makes I, I'm still just, sense. I'm just saying, like, you know, the classic sense. the classic Hitchcock thing is um uh uh suspense is when you know there's a bomb underneath uh, underneath a bus and you're worried and you're worried about the bomb underneath the bus. Surprise is when the bomb just goes off. Mm-hmm. And and I think what happens here is they set up like the suspense
0: element but then they just do the surprise side of it. So let's <laughs> let's take all three of your examples. The first one being the virus that is supposed to be the suspense. And mm-hmm. the suspense doesn't really click in until the very end when we actually have counter timers sort of going while there's a giant fight scene happening.
1: It doesn't seem like they they're too concerned like they stop to have drinks at some, at one point, you know, like Well cuz they, they're
0: waiting for their flights. <laughs> um, and then the second one being the bomb that they set up at the at the oh. Russian military base. That's something I didn't ever feel like that was like a... I felt like that was just, I guess, an action movie uh shorthand yeah. that was just like, Oh, the base is gonna blow up when they're done. Right. Like I don't when care. Done. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I don't care. Yeah. Because that's not like that's the way that they even shot that and or the way that they, they presented it in editing never made it like it was supposed to be like a uh oh, what about the bomb? Like yeah. they never did that. They never yeah. they never hinted at that for me. So therefore in my head I was like, Oh, okay, well that's yeah, just gonna but be but the did finisher. You, did
1: you get the experience though when when I was watching that where the whole scene was taking place, you know, like the, the fight scene with the 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 guys in the hallway and the is fighting this one yep. big giant dude they get caught by Idris Alba's thing then he's doing his whole speech and he's doing the charge and it's like the five charge you know like how many shocks yep. can you take kind of thing and then they leave and then all of a sudden oh yeah there was a bomb here that's right and it just explodes yeah, you know, like there's no sense of like.
0: Well, they oh, do shit. have it. They have what? a bit of an action scene when they get to the trucks yeah. before that they break out, and then it starts exploding as yeah. they're driving away. It actually doesn't explode until the. Oh, ve- well, it right. starts exploding. But but you
1: know what I mean? Like like it's just sort of. It like, didn't matter to me because it I, didn't matter that they set up the bomb.
0: What mattered only because you knew it was going to explode eventually. It was never it was never presented in a way to induce suspense, and therefore I was not disappointed when it didn't induce suspense. Okay. Um, and then the third one mm. being the grenade, I think that's the most. No I, no no. So the, the, that was actually just. One I mentioned uh, uh, as well. Oh, do you have another
1: one? Yeah, the, well, because this is the the movie <laughs> is right, ticking time bombs, which is that at the end of the movie, after the uh, after uh, Hobbes's brother has you know like found the best mechanic on the planet to repair this like piece of high tech machinery, it was him. It was uh, Hobbes's brother. Yeah, um, he he uh, they they she has a thirty minute timer on this like sort of seemingly delicate procedure, <laughs> where, but she can run around and fight with it. But but that one that one. Kind of plays out, but then it doesn't really matter because then it just ends
0: and the timer just out. And they, 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 spoiler alert, they win. Right. But the timer just runs out, right? Yeah, like because it, does, it finishes before her, but it, that timer finishes before her actual death clock finishes. Right. So the issue there, the stress that they're all dealing with is that process needs to finish yeah. before the virus dissolves in her body and kills everybody. Right. So wouldn't you? In that scenario, keep her away from the fight. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. You know, like but listen, the timer they, just makes no they sense. They have their backs against the wall, Shakir. They're outgunned <laughs> and, and they they have to just no fight. Guns. Wait, yeah, they're literally outgunned. They yeah. don't have guns. Yeah. And they need to uh fight with with Sticks and mm. exploding barrels of gasoline to and be nitrous fair, tanks. there's of Samoan war, uh, It's not just clubs. Stacks. Yeah, they're 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 pretty
1: they're pretty hifty. And I will say, for me personally, the thing I really dug about the film was when they went to Samoa.
0: I mean, that was cool. See, mm. So, this is something yeah. that I actually I want to give. I, I feel like we've been minorly mm. shit talking this series, this mm. entire this yeah. entire uh, podcast. Something that the Fast movies have done, I think, honestly, since five mm. has been presenting us with at least new looking and feeling action set pieces right um oftentimes superhero films for instance um <laughs> oftentimes like the end fight at least uh, maybe like four or five years ago all of them were big beams shooting into the sky right and like a monster fighting around it and have to throw a thing into the beam or like stop the portal and it's all like yeah 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 yeah, yeah we get it this series including this film Start taking all of these action sequences in just very interesting loca- locations and, and directions. Yeah, I mean this film alone, you have a, a street race sort of, or not a street race, but like a a thing through the London streets, which is I thought even though it was full of CG was still really fun. Idris Elba, Idris Elba's yeah. the uh, uh, kit transforming, transforming motorcycle, which actually had the transformer noise in it. And is I was like, what dope?
1: Yeah. Um, I actually I did I did like that as well. I liked I like the, the the little car slide uh, underneath and his and his bike rotates.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's it was, it was cool. very cool. Yeah. Uh, you have the the scene even before that. I think where they jump out of the 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 skyscraper and yeah. the elevator. This is
1: what I mean. The film had enough varying action sequences
0: where I was like, I. And then the end <laughs> when they're at Samoa is something completely different. Now I, you know, in the trailer it gave away it gave away the plot point that they don't have the guns anymore yeah. uh, because the his mother gave them away. And there's this, this giant technological force coming at them, but they did have a plot point where all of the guns, even characters trying to use enemy guns, wouldn't let them do it because they have ID chips in the guns right. because they're a cyber eugenics cult <laughs> yeah so the uh Which, for Nistica, we can just hack well, I mean, look. If, yeah. if we're going to start complaining about movie hacking now, yeah, yeah. then we're going to be here for a long <laughs> so, time. Yeah. Um, but she hacks it so that then they can't use their guns for like, I think six minutes, six minutes. <laughs> and so they can have six minutes within the 30 minutes that she has as much <laughs> so damage. <this> timer. <laughs> as much damage as possible yeah. in the six minutes. And that makes it. So cool, especially. I, uh, oh, sorry, go, go ahead.
1: no. I, I look. Uh, I, I'm from the Pacific Islands. You know, I was born in Fiji, so just seeing the Samoan islands, you know, being represented, and, and the fact that he comes out wearing a sulu, which is the yeah. the the, the uh, uh, it's kind of like a skirt. For the men. red thing, yeah, it's a skirt for men that you wear, um, and like them doing a haka and them having like the tribal uh, thing. I was like, that's cool. I'm, I, I'm actually, I'm enjoying the fact that, and and they sort of pit you know, technology against like, you know, like old school. And I, I really dug that. And that has this sort of thematic resonance uh in terms of like the history of those eras and post-colonialism. You know, the idea in New Zealand, for example, uh Maori warriors were able to fend off um, you know, attacks from guns because they were so more there was so more adept at at hacking. Uh, they were you know, adept at hacking they were ships, adept at ships at and the hacking, guns. Yeah, computer chips with their guns. <laughs> 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 There's a really great Billy T. James joke uh, where uh, Billy T. James is a famous New Zealand comedian. And he, they go back to that period where, like the, um, where the colonists are coming and they're trying to trade, and they come up to Billy T. James, who's a Maori Maori warrior, and you know they say, oh, we can give you weapons, guns and stuff, and Billy T. James turns goes, haven't you got any money, bro? And I just, it's just like, <laughs> it's just, just like, <laughs> like I love this sort of uh, this idea of being uh, well aware of, uh, the, the limitations that they had, but being able to fight against it. I think right. that was really, that was really cool. And it's like, and the rock is Samoan, you know, like, so it, he carried like in, in Polynesian culture, uh, there's a phrase called mana, uh, which is basically how much, uh, respect a person carries and, and how much, uh, a person is able to, to represent their tribe to the outside world and and you know the rock as a person as a human being i think carries a lot of mana for the pacific Islands. how is that spelt
0: m-a-n-a you know? okay so mm. actually uh, that's it's interesting a, it's, a,
1: it's been used c- in in um dungeons and dragons or well, uh, in, in, kind
0: of so yeah. in multiple uh tabletop or video yeah. games mana or it's not it's not mana well yeah. i guess it is mana but we just say mana because yeah. we have weird dumb accents but the mm. the the, that's sort of like your magical pool of energy. Right. Yeah. Um, it's, I think it's a similar concept. That's yeah. interesting. I didn't know that's where it came from.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's, it's actually, it's uh, it's woven into Polynesian life, like quite, quite a lot. It's kind of a, basically how respected and how much authority and how much, uh, capability a person has is is their mana and it's it's also it's tied to how good you you know like how good a person you are it's not just uh it's just not not just how good at things you are it's how good a person
0: you are it's tied literally to how many times you are contractually uh, okay (laughs) with getting punched in the face as long as you punch someone else in the face
1: yeah and this to you know like it it, to see the rock kind of bringing the fast and the furious franchise back to to you know to into Samoa and like representing like with with respect you know and kind of still having fun with it I think that was really cool it comes way too late in the movie like the movie is two two hours and something
0: and I was like if this could just if this could all come under two hours the I most think- boring parts for me was the Russian infiltration section yeah it just goes on because that's the too thing long. that feels the most samey to most yeah. action films yeah uh with the exception of I there's one shot in this film it was in the trailers and I was happy that it was a little bit longer the film that like was like the most exciting shot for me in mm. this movie and it's with when uh Jason Statham and Vanessa Kirby are in like the dune buggy thing and they mm. ride out the window and they they're like doing flip. a flip and yeah. they're shooting and like her legs are like flying in the air cuz she's not wearing a seatbelt she's just like holding mm. on to the roll cage yeah and like they use the bottom chassis of the of the thing to stop helicopter <laughs> fire or some shit, and I was just like, "This is why I'm here." Right. Um. And and it's
1: very again we we we're, we're not just doing this. They're not just doing the same trick to get out of scenarios. They're doing, you know, they they have, they're bringing in different skills. And I I I really actually enjoyed that, and that that did play for me. And I and I think if it was just a little bit shorter, fair. I think I think this movie would have been great.
0: Uh, I have two gripes. Okay. Uh, the first is I thought that the forced. Um, romance no uh, I don't care about the, rom- the romance or whatever I mean yeah. that's I don't whatever sure yeah. and you know what I'll even say that the romance for it was actually a little bit sweeter than I thought it was going to be basically like uh, for you know <laughs> Vanessa Kirby and <laughs> the rocks character sort of eventually kind of sort of fall for each other and there's a lot of like you know like <laughs> longing eyes from both of them and of course you have Jason Statham's character be like don't touch my sister and like that <laughs> sort of thing but then the moment where they actually like have a kiss. It's like a real quick one right before the final fight. And the rock even says like, do you you want to do that again? And she goes, no, maybe tomorrow.
1: (laughs) Now this is all going to come down to personal preference for me, but there's something about the rock. I guess it's similar to Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's also really similar to Tom Cruise where I see them often as asexual beings. Interesting. And and so when they get into romantic scenarios, something in my brain
0: just doesn't click. I don't think, okay, let, let me put it this way. I I agree with you when it becomes, when it's like a real like sexy romantic thing, right? Like I'm like, I don't, I can't sort of get into that, but this felt weirdly. And this is going to be the dumbest thing. I think I say this entire podcast, which get ready Mm. felt like almost like a teenage sweetness to it. Like Like there was like, like it felt way more innocent than the rest of this film (laughs) feels. Yeah. And so I was like, oh. Like yeah. it was, it was that was fine. Uh, no, the problem I had okay. was the the banter back and forth between Ooh. Hobbs and Shaw, and how much the film tried to sort of revel in it. Yeah, and I've never, I don't know if I've ever seen something this dichotomous in any movie. Right. The script and the banter is terrible. Like the the the, the insults they're throwing back and forth, nine times out of ten aren't even funny. Right, but then you have the counterbalance of these two men who have an incredible charisma by themselves and with each other that is like, it's like selling the worst thing possible so hard so it comes out as an even five out of 10. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, I I was watching it in completely neutral knowing that the script was terrible and these actors are hilarious. And I'm like, Oh,
1: you know, it's weird. Um, and I, I I think again a lot about Taika Waititi and sure. and uh, Thor and Hunt for the Wilder People and and all of his films. And in terms of like that banter, uh, I think there's a thing that he does, and maybe he's just kind of found the opportunity to do it in, particularly in Thor, where the banter plays off both the actor and character in its best possible way, and and he doesn't he kind of makes Those like they're not very long, but they just get the exact point across. And what happens here in this film is that they're really long, and they don't seem to play into what the distinctions between who these people really are.
0: The only distinctions they play into are the are the physical ones, where the rock is big and Jason Statham is small. That, and I think I think as well, the best time the bit when it works the best is that the
1: banter really cuts to the heart of like the other person's insecurity. Like it actually like gets through and that's why it's pissing them off. Yeah. You know, like, and, and I, I never got to see like for, for Jason Statham's character, for sure. The trigger point is his sister. You know, and and like it's it, the otherwise they're just called it's basically your mama jokes where no you're not real, it was all your mama jokes where you're not really hurting the other person you're just trying to be clever yeah and 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 I think to me where it really lands you know for example in uh, Thor and the Hulk is that they're undercutting each other's masculinity by such a degree that it's really you feel that they're actually really kind of hurt by the things they're saying yeah. but they're able to put a brave face yeah. on it and in, in Hobbs and Shaw I don't think there's none of that sort of this is the thing with the ticking time bomb thing as well. It's just that there's no undercurrent to this. It's just all like, here's a ticking time bomb. Don't worry. Don't try to think too much about it. Yeah, it's you know, service. like, and and here's some banter between these two guys. Don't try to think too much. But
0: about I, it. I wish, I wish because the film does revel in these moments. Yeah. Like I wish that had like another two weeks in a writer's room. Like, right. I, I just feel like you could have really polished that up and made it like, as enjoyable as the rest of the film yeah uh and then of course the minor continuation of this issue is like this does what all the fast Mm -hmm. and the furious do that the the people uh who have misunderstandings like instantly instantly after the two-thirds point in the film in one battle become brothers right yeah Uh, and it's like these people are supposed to hate each other and now all of a sudden they're like Total besties. So here's the thing.
1: Again, I I, I I'm I am i am pointing out a lot of things that I think are problematic with this world or wrong. You know, like this don't quite work. But but there are two things that really work for me in this movie. And the one is that I think you know, like ultimately, what this film is is like the like the spike that is being shot into our arm with the with the virus at the beginning. The movie is a delivery mechanism for spectacle. Yes. Right? and it and unlike you know for example you know my issues with John Wick 3 which kind of delivered the same spectacle over and over again and kind of got me a little bit nauseated mm-hmm. this delivered enough varied spectacle that i was able to enjoy what i was being presented with the second thing is i think the thematic throughline oh, there are many thematic through lines through this film most of which don't work or don't really make any sense but there is one in this that i kind of I think there's enough credence played to it that actually kind of does make sense. Even if it is cheesy and silly, it's there enough and kind of played with enough sincerity that I was like, okay, that's what the film's about. I get it. You did it. Good job. And that is this idea of brotherhood and family. It's it's what's in every all of these films, but it's the you know like Hobbs has his brother that he needs to reconcile with, Shaw has his sister that she needs to reconcile with, and then Hobbs and Shaw need to realize that ultimately they're brothers too. It's I it's, mean you know it's it's not great, it's not it's not emotionally resonant, but it plays.
0: The thing that's interesting is like all of the the gripes we've sort of talked about before, other than the family stuff for me. Like the movie is the type of movie and spending enough time on the things where like you roll past it and you're like, oh, okay, I get it. This Mm. isn't that important. So we don't need to spend as much time on it. We're just going to keep going, 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 spectacle, spectacle, spectacle. Yeah. But family stuff. And when it tries (laughs) to become an emotional thing, I think you do need a little more connective tissue. Like I think this does lean a little hard on less sort of what this film is setting up as what's important and more on what the franchise itself sets up as more important. Um, Right. uh, I I just just feel like they like, there were some, some moments. I I actually thought that uh, Jason Statham and Vanessa Kirby had really nice brother sister chemistry in the scenes where they were allowed to stop flying out of windows. Right. But like, I don't know. There was just, I I never had a problem with, I thought the rock and his family was handled well. I thought Jason Statham and his family was handled well. I thought the instant insta shift with Hobbs and Shaw, they never had a come to come to Jesus moment or like whatever with one another. Like, I think it was supposed to be Russia.
1: Well, yeah, I think, and then when they go to Samoa, they realize that they have respective family, like you know, like basically uh, Shaw gets to see that Hobbs has a family and has kind of the the similar problems that he has, and they decide to together that this is how we're going to solve the problem and together. I think
0: I, you know what? Maybe it's more of again, I go back to a scripting issue because it, I think it's like literally the use of like instantly during a fight calling each other brother when they've literally just called each other shitheads for the entire time. Like right. it was that 180 of dialogue. Right. I, maybe not timing of how it actually went down. Anyway. I, I love, I love, I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say the last problem yeah. that I have with Hobbs and Shaw. Right. Is it's really starting to get, dangerous into uh taken three territory with the editing choices in some of these action scenes.
1: Right? Like, do you mean like it's, it's 11
0: uh, cuts it's, to get over a fence, right? Yeah. Uh, the, the scene I'm talking about, for those of you who don't know, in taken three, Liam mm-hmm. Neeson has to run away from something and he's hopping over a fence and they literally cut 11 times because Liam Neeson can't hop over a fence. Right. Um, I don't think that J- J- Jason Statham and the rock can't do. St- I think this was a, like stunts. I think this is, Uh, a deliberate choice of shaky cam quick cut yeah and i think it maybe it also was affected or affected my viewing of it because i saw it in imax and it was huge and obviously wasn't shot in imax yeah but like that sort of action did not it's i never sort of like that as much as say i like the uh john wick Wick sort of like where you can see everything going on yeah um so that that i mean again that's a that's a uh, opinion or, or a taste of mine. Did that bother I, you at all, or did it, you refine with that?
1: It didn't bother me so much in that I think this was sort of consistent with what I expect, having only seen one of the Fast and the Furious franchise film. Um, it's consistent with what I expected those that film to be. Uh, I wonder if, you know, like the the conversation about um, The Rock and Jason Statham's contracts about who can get beat up the most, is how much there's a conversation around how much we can actually vary up the look uh, of, this, of these films. Because I wonder... If you get into, you know, and you're bringing in the director, you know, the uncredited director of John Wick 1, if you get into a situation where you do sort of fully choreographed, you know, fighting sequences whether that look kind of feels like it would just be out of place you know maybe maybe it'll work that makes sense i I wonder if that's the case it didn't i agree with you that there is a cuttiness to this which is sort of atypical of these kinds of films but it didn't like jump out of me there was one scene right at the very beginning where i noticed that where uh, vanessa kirby jumps over a box and then the next scene the box is gone and she's like on top of someone else and i was like oh yeah okay is this what the movie's going to be like but you know like it is a cg spectacle yeah. with enough stuff blowing up at any given point that i was like yeah you know this is what it is and i and i'm and i'm in this case again it's a delivery mechanism for those kinds of scenes and there was enough variances in those kinds of scenes that i was okay with it yeah um
0: so let me ask you this this is my final question to you mm-hmm. is it a movie
1: is it a movie hmm. that's a really good question actually
0: i uh, mean it's it's a pretty easy answer
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> It's a, more, it's a more complicated question than I think you're giving a credit to. Nope. Yeah, it is It is a more complicated question.
0: I felt like we had a lot of really nice uh, – <laughs> uh, um, we would have to have the reverse journey of Hobbs and Shaw where we were agreeing with each other yeah. a lot, and now we need to end on a contentious note. Uh, it is a movie. <laughs> so why would you ask me? Well, I, I want to see how you – I, tell me, I, I think you'll say possibly mm. that it's not a movie, and I'd like to hear the reason why you think that might be. If that is the way that you're leading. I think it's barely a movie, but it's
1: but it's <laughs> on the scale of <laughs> scale you're, you're, of you're, movie you're, to zero. Here's the thing: what you're doing, which is that you're making it a binary question. Uh, it which, is a binary question. Uh, I don't think, actually think it is a binary question. Oh, that's and, a bigger and, conversation. Yeah. Anyway, um, I like barely a movie
0: though. I like I, that. I, like I think that it's phrase. barely a
1: movie, but it's but it's but it hangs together. Like I think this actually hangs together um, for what it is. And there's a couple other things I just wanted to get to, uh, which was, one, I really enjoyed Idris Elba in this. I think Idris Elba... Idris Elba is the kind of actor that could jump into this, choose scenery, and then get out... And and, jump. And jump, jump out of this thing as quickly as possible and do something else. And I think that... You know, like as much as these guys don't want to come off as being the villain, I think Charlize Theron in in the last one proved that point as well, which is like the best role to take is the villain role. Do it, true scenery, like really ham it up, and then get the fuck out.
0: Yeah, well, she's in. I think the next two though. Oh, is she? I think she, I think she's an overarching villain. I think oh, that's what God. I yeah. And okay. I'm wondering, I'm wondering if, if she's the voice, uh, possibly. Yeah. Or uh, if that's going to be um, Hobbes's. Wife, like the like something weird, like about that, like the the da- the mother of Hobbs's daughter, okay. Uh, something like that, or, wait, what? or, or no, or f- she can't be the mother of Hobbs's daughter, she was fighting him in the Fate and the Furious. She was fighting him, yeah. What in the Fate and the Furious? No, 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 sorry, up- I'm not saying they're, I'm saying if they're different people. So, for instance, I'm saying here's what, what I think what, the wait, voice You is. think Charl- Charlize, the- oh, you think. I have a couple of opinions. I have okay. a couple ideas. <laughs> okay. The voice could be Shirley Theron's character from Fast 8. Okay. The voice could be the actual, we've never seen The Rock's ex-wife, I believe, who ha- he has the daughter with. It could be that person, because that seems like a family tie that they would do. Or <laughs> She's it, a supervillain trying to destroy why the Why not? Or it could be The Rock's father who abandoned his family. Okay. So there's a lot of interesting, uh, I, and I, I, I use guess. hard air quotes.
1: Yeah, I guess. Uh, I, I, I don't. I didn't see anything in there that would make that make sense. Like the one that everyone's
0: talking about is if that person is, if the voice is Han. Oh, shit. That's cool. Right? But it makes no sense. None of them would make sense. Right. But these movies have never made sense. <laughs> I mean, if you look at how Jason Statham's character was introduced after he he murders Han. Right. And then he goes in the beginning of his first movie and murders an entire hospital, and right. now
1: we're rooting for him. Right, right, right. So it's like if the Joker became the hero of the of
0: the next Batman movie. Yeah, right? but is, like, but was so suave about it, no one gave a shit. Yeah. The
1: only other thing I kind of want to mention here is that uh, Jason Statham and Vanessa Kirby being siblings is a little. He's like fifty something years old, and she's like thirty. Which means that she was twenty when he that, when she was a kid. Right. So the the there's flashback scenes where they're where like, they're both, they're both the same age, and I was like. Um, okay. I get, you know, like this... Uh, I'm not sure what we're trying to say here. Like, either Vanessa Kirby's really old or, J- or Jason Statham is is much, much younger. I than think they'd
0: want that one. I think yeah. they'd want him being much younger. So
1: than he's, me. like, 30, like, cover, you know, like full-on, grown, wrinkled man. Yep. Anyway,
0: anyway. Nope, so you're, li- right, yeah. you're
1: right, you're uh, right. I like Jason Statham. Uh, I like The Rock. I like Vanessa Kirby. I like the delivery mechanism. I think this plot is completely nonsensical of and course. it's ridiculous, but... It's kind of, it's wrapped in a package of um, being somewhat tongue in cheek, and I think that comes through that banter, even though the banter didn't work. And then I just, I liked very much the the trip to Samoa yeah and like you know like the, the the cultural heritage that this
0: sort of film kind of plays in you didn't watch the trailers right did not watch did, the so you didn't know they were going to Samoa I knew they were going to Samoa. damn it that yeah. was the part I was hoping that would be a surprise because I knew it was a surprise for no one no I mean I
1: I've seen um, images of the ah, film so shit. I I knew I was like that would have been such a nice surprise also it's set up at the very beginning of the film where like the rock is basically you know she's like I don't know the rest of my family, you know the family tree
0: sure but and and and, still- then, and
1: he's like oh my brother. You know, we had this beef. I will say this as well, as well. Uh, it's continuously proven that uh, Cliff Curtis is the most ethnically ambiguous brown man that you will ever have. Cliff Curtis is the, uh, uh, plays the brother, and he's yeah. played almost every ethnicity in Hollywood at this point. He is Maori. He's from New Zealand. Uh, he's played Pakistani. He's played uh, Indian. He's played Mexican. He's now played Samoan. You know, it's just, it's, uh, Cliff Curtis can do any brown man you need. Okay. <laughs> which well. I always enjoy. He's a, He is an incredible actor, by the way. If you've ever seen any of his work outside of this, I mean, even even um, uh, his work in like The Insider, where he plays uh, the one of the ayatollahs. Oh wow! He's completely you know, disappears in that role. I, I think he's fantastic in Training Day, where he plays a oh, Mexican yeah, yeah, gangster. Yeah. Yep, uh, He's so good. And then, you know, obviously he comes from Once Were Warriors, which is a New Zealand's famous film. Uh, he did a film a couple years ago called Dark Horse, which I haven't seen. Uh, he's phenomenal. He's a really good friend. He has a production company with Taiko Waititi. As oh, well. nice.
0: Uh, so we're all connected. Uh, I, I, That's very cool to know. I also want to give a shout out to Idris Alba, who is just on one of my favorite internet series, uh, Hot Ones. What is, oh, the wings the thing? The wings thing. Yeah, yeah. He had a very endearing, fun uh, episode of Hot Ones. And you should check that out because it was awesome. <laughs> he's come a long way from String a Bell, uh, is all I got to say. Yeah, And
1: uh, he has a show. Uh, it's weird. I think he's one of those guys that's trying to figure out, like, what his role is. Because he's got this show on Netflix that I think is, like, closely echoes his real life, which he plays a, uh, a Brixton DJ who um, who uh, moonlights as a baby's, yeah his name he's from uh, I think I'm not sure if he's from Brixton or Brighton but he's yeah. from that a- area. Um, he plays a DJ because uh, Idris
0: Elba is really into music. He is. It, he was on Jay Z's. La- he introed the last Jay Z album. Oh, did he? Yeah, I didn't like know he, that. he sent him like some poetry or, or mm-hmm. something. He's like, hey, you know, yeah, something or other. And then uh, he, he was we talking about it in the Hot Ones episode. He goes, yeah, and Jay Z emailed me back. He's like, yeah, I don't like this. I fucking love it. And he's oh, like, really? and so like he does the intro.
1: Oh, and he's really into how music he's really into electronica so he has that you know that other show which i don't think did that well um fantastic and beasts of no nation and i just the thing i think i remember i'm just thinking about him so much right now in terms of he played string of bell like i think it was like 10 to 15 years ago Mm -hmm. um and he seems much older in that show than he does now. Like he seems like a young man now. But in in when he was playing String of Bell, he played him feeling much older. Yeah. And it's it's I don't know. That's a hard I, thing to pull off. I it's a hard thing to pull off. I think he's got a huge, huge career, can do no wrong at this point. Uh except apparently Mandela, uh, which I heard wasn't that good. He played uh-huh. Nelson Mandela. Uh
0: yeah. Well, this has been the only podcast about Fast and Furious Presents, Hobbs, and Shaw. That's right. This is the only episode of the podcast where I'll we'll make two mouth air horn noises yeah. because I need one for Hobbs and one for Shaw. For uh, Shaw. Shaheer, when you are not... Uh, smuggling viruses out of the country via commercial airlines uh, after getting cavity searched when I accidentally, quote unquote, uh, stick the TSA on you. Where can folks find you?
1: Uh, you can see me using my fake passport, which is Mike Oxmole. <laughs> is that Mike Something like <laughs> like, the- Uh Yeah, i k e o a x No. Uh, Shahir Doud. Uh, it's S H A H I R D A U D.com. Matt, when you are. Uh, What are you doing this week? I actually, I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss. You, you're, you're in the middle. You're, you're, you're jumping, you're jumping straight down the line of a five out of 10. uh, When you are not cutting two pieces of stone into two. Where can people find you?
0: I have no idea. You can find me very confused at (laughs) what you just said. (laughs) At dot com for my life and works. Also, scale journal number four, P-R-E-Z on Instagram or P-S-N or Emperor M-S-K on Twitter. Also, go check out the good works we are doing over extra credits. We just finished up our uh, Joan of Arc series, Mm -hmm. and uh, so we got all five parts up there. We actually, oh my gosh, is it today? We are releasing our Hogs in History episode. Is this, uh, is this in relation to feral hogs? Uh, no, but it timed out real well. Uh, so go check that out. Anyway, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Uh, please email us in with any thoughts about Hobbs and Shaw or any other films you'd like to talk about at uh, onlymoviepodcast.gmail.com or onlymoviepod on the Twitter box. Next week, we'll be back with another movie. We don't know what it is. We don't know what it is. You know what? We like keeping you on your toes. Toes. That's how we're ending it? Yeah, we're just gonna go with toes. Toes? Toes. <laughs>